Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's message. ...of a thought pattern here that is somewhat the same. There is something exciting, something fulfilling, something that was really empowering, and it allowed the, the people to overcome their own deficiencies as far as being embarrassed the way they acted and so forth. For some reason, this new wine somehow goes away. When it comes into you, don't care what people say. When you really care what people say, which I'm one of those that have a lot of problems, I care for what people say. It's a sign of a wine. It really is. I would like to say that some of you are sitting here that have been consumed in old wine for perhaps 15, 20 years and refused new wine. The Holy Spirit is wanting to give new wine. He's wanting to give you a new power and a new strength. But as long as the problem is someone else's, He won't do it. It needs to be new wine skins that need to be placed, and then he can pour in new wine. Now, I know that makes a lot of us very uncomfortable, but it's the way it works. It's what the Bible says. Uh, let's take a moment now and switch again. A little bit of gears here, and the end of the message will be quite different than where I'm going at right now. One of the things that the disciples always had when they had Jesus, they'd ask him any question, and he would always have an answer to them. He sometimes spoke in parables, and the reason for speaking in parables so not everyone understood. All right, so they ask him questions. Uh, the Pharisees asked questions. He gave a parable. But Jesus seemingly was always at the hand when they had a question to ask him. Lord, what would you do with this situation? What will you do with this situation? What are you saying about this? What, one place they saw another man casting out devils, and they forbade him, told him, don't do it. And he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do you say? And he says, well, if you're slightly against me, or if you speak slightly against me, you cannot even cast out devils. So there was always an answer, and there was this confidence in the disciples that they could always ask Jesus something, and Jesus would give them the answer. Now, if we can for a moment think of when Jesus died on the cross, we notice that the sad story about some of them went fishing, they thought their kingdom has come to an end. They were done with it. They were disappointed in Jesus. They thought this whom was set up for them to walk in a different kingdom or in, in this new kingdom or literal kingdom is all vanished because they've killed Jesus, their master. Well, what happens here then, Jesus said something. He said, listen, disciples. He said, I will leave. That's right. Peter spoke the words of the devil to him. Jesus rebuked him for it. He said, you don't need to go to the cross. Uh, but then what happened is he said, I will leave, but I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you without answers. I will not leave you so that you will not be able to depend again on what I have been saying to you. I will send you another companion. I will not leave you bereaved. I will not leave you fatherless, but I will send somebody with you. Now, um, if you can imagine the sadness on the disciples, because I believe they were looking as a whole of a kingdom that will be established here, where they will be, have certain ranks and so forth, and they will be part of this thing, and it's going to be a big thing. 
And somehow that was kept from them for the most part, that it's a spiritual kingdom. And then when Jesus died and they crucified him, what do we do? All that we dreamed about and all that we thought about has now come to an end and we're finished. Jesus said, I'm coming to you. It's not going to be me. But it's going to be somebody else that will come to you and he will give you comfort. Now the word comfort, we want to read this. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter or an intercessor that he may abide with you forever. He said, I will give you another comforter. This is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. He will not leave you. He will be with you forever. That speaks something about forever is how long? Only as long as we're in this earth? Or does it also include in the next world? Obviously so. The Holy Spirit will always be with us. Now, what I don't know, do you think we will get more of the Holy Spirit in heaven than what we have here? I don't know. I do not know that answer. But the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. My thing is, we need the Holy Spirit. And we need to welcome Him into our lives. A little bit the way that the Holy Spirit came to me when I was, uh, I was deep in sin. I repented many years ago. I was in, in very, very tragic, very deep sins. And I remember the moment. And I know right where I was going, where I was at, where I said, Lord, if I don't get more of the power of something than what I have now, I'll never make it. Because my sins were far too deep. I was really deep and heavily involved in all kinds of sin, everything. And unless I have some different, more of something, I will never be able to live this life. And God heard that. He saw that I admitted my own deficiency and decided that I will visit that man because he has room for me. He is looking for someone that is of a higher uh, power than what he has himself. And it's in this type of situation that we have to form our own heart, allow our heart to have this kind of dependence and see that the nothingness, that all the things that I have and all the things I acquire or do or is so able to is not enough to take me into a spiritual man so that I can live this life that is God, that will be God pleasing. And it was in this form that the comforter came to my life. Now, in verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because why? Because the world cannot see. They only see with a natural eye. All right? The world cannot receive the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're the world. Huh? Because they cannot but see. You see, receiving the Holy Spirit is not based on what you see. It's based on faith. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it seeth Him not. And I, I like to give us this challenge. Do I see the Holy Spirit or do I not see the need of the Holy Spirit? If you don't see the need, the necessity of the Holy Spirit, your eyes might be really worldly. Because the world can only believe what they see. But the disciples of Christ will walk by faith, not by sight. And then it says, neither knoweth him. For ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you bereaved, comfortless. I will come to you. 
Now in Matthew chapter 3, verse, seven, uh, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, if I can just divert a little bit of the subject here, as I'm trying to conclude so many things into what I've preached before on this subject and conclude it. When the Holy Spirit comes, you know, there's people that say the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit are tongues. I do not find that in the Bible. Even though it happened in the Bible, it's not a law, it's not a rule that it has always happened that way. It says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So it's power that comes upon a person when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, I ask you the question today, do you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to overcome sin? Do you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to convey that which is in you to someone else? And I, I want this to be a, a deep conviction, a heart-searching thing that do I have the power of the Holy Spirit or I, am I in need of a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit? This is what happens when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, I indeed baptize you, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, John, uh, uh, John was saying this, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm gonna talk about the word fire. If fire is something that is missing after your experience with the Holy Ghost, a fire that cleanses. There's people that go through trials, but they don't get cleansed. That's not Holy Spirit baptism fire. There's one thing to suffer for righteousness sake. There's another thing to suffer for wrongdoings. The two are not even close to the same thing. We will always suffer for wrongdoings. But when you suffer for righteousness' sake, it's a different thing. The Holy Spirit, when He comes into your life and He comes upon your life, one thing that He will do that goes right with this verse, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then he describes what the fire is, whose, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly perch his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, or into the barn, into his possession. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Is perhaps a certain fire that has been working in your life a fire for cleansing that you've been too stubborn to let loose of? And you'll go from day to day to year to year to year to year of the same struggle and same problem because of something that's missing. What is this fire? I want to speak the rest of this message on this fire. What does the Holy Spirit fire do? The Holy Spirit fire will never do this. The Holy Spirit fire does this. It is something that he wants to cleanse you within. Whether it's old mindsets, 
whether it's old deceptions that perhaps we've been told by our fathers or mothers or neighbors or brothers or whoever it is. God is wanting to deal with these things in our lives, and he has to deal with it. When the Holy Spirit comes into a man and it baptizes him, he will immediately start his process in undoing the things that did not come from God. This is an awful time. This is not an easy time. And this can go for years. In fact, it can go for the rest of your life. I noticed that when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit, it says the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness immediately to be tested. Why do you think it's important that Jesus was even tested? Why was he tested? To make him stronger in his dependence on Christ. Even the Son of God. Why would the Son of God need testing? Because he was in human form. If the Son of God needed testing, do you think we need testing? The fire of the Holy Spirit is to do certain things. Number one, it's fire. Number two, it hurts. Number three, it burns. All of this, I believe, is a tremendous in, uh, description of the ingredient not understanding what's going on. What is happening to me? What is going wrong in my life? It's a fire that burns, that wants to change the old nature that has been sitting there for almost an entire life. This comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you are missing this, you're missing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.